don't know me, my name is Steven, yeah, and I am the high school pastor at the downtown campus, and I see some of our graduates with us. It's good to see y'all here. So weird, but glad to be with you guys. How's the summer going so far? Good? Well, tonight, you know, it's the last night of summer, officially. No, I'm not kidding. Just the last night of bridge summer version, but I know that we're all gearing up. We're getting ready to go back to school. So tonight, um, I want to do something a little different. I know that you guys, um, Ashton had told me, y'all, y'all be kind of working through the Psalms and uh, kind of just pick a Psalm. We're, we're diving into it. We're kind of unpacking it. And it's been some great weeks, huh? Have y'all learned some stuff this summer? I hope so. You're like, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I love feedback, by the way. Like, this is not uh, a place where you got you to hold back. You guys just go for it. In fact, I'm going to make y'all get real uncomfortable in a little bit. It's going to be great, all right? It's going to be fantastic. Not really. Not really uncomfortable, but you'll, you'll see. Because um, I, I want to do something different tonight. So Ashton asked me, he's like, hey, man, can we, uh, you know, can you do the last night? And we've been in the Psalms, and so I'm thinking through all my favorite Psalms, and then, like, they're all taken, of course. No, I, there was a bunch that I, I wanted to do. But I, I kind of threw this idea out to Ashton. I'm like, what if we, what if we, didn't, we did it a little different tonight? And uh, he was good with the idea, so here goes, okay? Tonight, what I want to do is I want to talk about praise, all right, we just sang about praising Jesus, and the Psalms really are just a book of, of worship, of praise. In fact, uh, Richard Foster, I'm going to get into my notes a little bit. I didn't have time to like memorize this and go, so I'm going to look at the notes, but we're all good. By the way, on the note thing, apparently I've been around Jerry Royal a little too long because uh, I'm already like bringing paper for you guys and like notes and pens and, and all the things. Uh, Jerry's already rubbing off on me again, like, uh, you know. I don't know. Do you guys do this? Do y'all use notes normally? Okay. Well, you don't have to, but there's a lot of content tonight that I want to give you, and, uh, and hopefully some of it will inspire and challenge you, but there is a lot of content tonight, and I'll tell you why in just a second, but you got notes, and you'll, we'll get there, um, but here's what Richard Foster says. He says, the Psalms are the literature of worship. The most prominent feature in this literature is praise. In fact, let me read Psalm 150. It says this, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the resounding trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him uh, with the clash of cymbals. Thank you, Ashton. They were great. Uh, Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Then it says this, the last verse of the entire book of Psalms. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now, praise, there's one word in the English uh, that that we know, praise. Got it? All right, that's the word. Um, And it it means to declare value, to declare worth. When you praise something, you're bringing it to value. You're showing other people value. In fact, uh, just real quick side note, when we sing Christ be magnified, you got to understand what we're saying. When we're like, be magnified by the altar of my life, would you just be magnified? We're not saying that Jesus is really little and we need a little microscope so that we can magnify him and so everyone can see him. It's it's not that, right? It's, It's the telescope. It's that Jesus is beyond all imagination. He's so much bigger and better and more beautiful and more glorious than we could ever imagine. May we see him like a telescope. Would it be magnified, brought down to us that we could see him and behold him, and that as we see him, we respond. And that's really what worship is. So a few words on worship, and then we're gonna get into praise. 
Um, and I, I just need to say this, okay? Worship is a response. It's always a response. When we worship, what we are doing is we are responding to who God is. We're responding to what he's done. All these songs are speaking about his works and who he is and what he's done. That's why all these, these lyrics are very important to us worshiping because it's stirring that up in us. We're responding to these truths. But I want to tell you this. You do not start worshiping and stop worshiping. This is a big misconception. Did you know you were born and created worshiping? It is actually very natural to who we are. And, and, and when we are worshiping as a natural part of who we are, when we eat something that we love and we're like, man, you've got to try this steak, that's praise. It's like lifting up the value. Like that is good, right? When we see Top Gun, which Top Gun 1 was a little bit better than 2, but it was good, right? But I'm like telling my friends, I just, it's natural in us when good things happen. It's what social media is based on this premise that we love to find good things and we love to share them. We love to respond to these things and bring them out. So praise is this. It's this responding that never stops. The thing that happens with us is that we don't stop worshiping. We're just constantly changing our worship. We're constantly uh, looking at this thing, focused on this thing, and that's the object of our worship, and we've got to move that. In fact, the word for sin in Hebrew, if you go all the way back, and I'm going to do a lot of word study, and it's for a reason, not to try to show you how smart I am, because I'm not. I just look this stuff up. But it actually does make sense, because the word for sin is an archery term, and it literally means to miss the mark. That is a response to worship that we're supposed to worship. We're supposed to praise God. But with sin, we fall short of that. We miss the mark of what God has and we move it. And worship is constantly doing that, that we are aiming or re-aiming or focusing our worship. And is that true of all of us? Do you guys do that? I mean, I, I feel that way all the time. Like I'm doing good with the Lord. Like he is awesome. And then all of a sudden my focus is on something completely different and it just shifts in my life. So, now back to praise. Now, I grew up Church of Christ, all right? So in Church of Christ, I mean all of this, I mean sin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not to make light of my past, and some of you may have grown up Church of Christ. But I do want to bring up the fact that there are a lot of different versions of how we worship corporately, right? And I grew up Church of Christ, and let me tell you, those folks can sing, man. Like, I can do an alto part now to this day on any hymn because I listen to my mom. Uh, I can't sing that high. But you know what I'm saying? Like, they can harmonize, y'all. Like, you ever heard, like, a church, the true church of Christ get going? I mean, it is, like, always four-part harmony. Uh, fantastic, right? So we kind of grew up in that, but there was no clapping, raising hands, none, like, none of that, right? Like, you sit there, and then you just nail that part, all right? Get the tenor. Um, I went to a Baptist church, and they had a choir, and I was like, mm, I don't know about this. Uh, and then they had an organ, I'm like, I don't know. But they worship, right? And, and it's still, I mean, maybe there's some swang going on a little bit uh, back in the day first. Uh, I remember Michael T. getting up there and giving it something. Y'all don't remember that, but that's okay. But I'll never forget, y'all. Junior high, my buddy invites me to his non-denom, Assembly of God Church. And guys, I was not ready for this. I wasn't ready. I don't know. Some of you grew up this way. Some of y'all probably go to this church. That's fine. I'm just telling you, for me and my worship experience, this was different. I walk in, and I'm in there getting it. This lady at the front has this tambourine. I don't know who gave it to her. I didn't even know she was part of the band, and she's just getting it. And then they've got like a flag ministry. Have you seen this? I mean, they're just like up in the front waving stuff, and I'm like, I'm so distracted. I'm just like a little mortified, really kind of creeped out, but people are like, 
going for it. And I'm like, this kind of reminds me of like a high school pep rally. I mean, I feel like I'm just like a rider. Just we're just doing the pep rally and someone should have some signs made. And, and, and here we go. But I remember kind of being weirded out. But, I, but at the same time, leaving and going like, I kind of like that. Like they get, row- like they get rowdy. Now, what I want to do tonight is I want to talk about different versions, different ways that we respond in praise, because it's actually important. It is connected to the language of the Hebrew people, and you may have never seen this, um, but I'll never forget just seeing all these different ways of people worshiping and wanting to just express myself a little bit more, not like getting crazy and all that. I, I, I was distracted at times, but you know that time where you're like, I feel like raising my hand, and I'm just like, anybody care? Is anybody noticing? Like, yes, Lord, praise you. And then I bring it down, you know, like trying to get free in that because that's not how I grew up. And I don't know how you grew up, but posture in worship is actually biblical in multiple ways. And we're going to get into that. Let's just get going. I'm like, I'm too much of an intro. Okay. Uh, Here's the thing. One word in the English for praise, in the Hebrew, in the original language, and all through the Psalms, there are seven words for praise as is in your papered notes, right? You've got that. There are seven different words, and they all mean different things. Some words are used so many times, um, they're used the most, and those are the ones I'm going to do at the beginning. And then there are some words that are very specific, and, and I, I want to teach you this. Um, and I learned this just to give credit where credit is due. There is a book called Holy Roar, and it's by Darren Whitehead, all right? And he was pastor with, uh, like, Chris Tomlin's pastor there in Nashville, and, and they wrote this. I got a ton of this from this. This is not me being smart. I literally... Uh, read this book a few years back, and it, and it wrecked me as a worship leader. I loved it, and I'm just kind of sharing a lot of it tonight. So that's where a lot of this is coming from and from my concordance. But um, let's get to the first word, and I just want to unpack this tonight, okay? The first word for praise is the word yada, yada. Now, this is right off the gate a posture. It's a posture, it's, it's a physical movement. It literally means to worship God with extended hands. And it's used actually all through the Psalms, extended hands. Um, the literal translation means to shoot like an arrow, to be like, yes, to, to kind of have that motion. That is to yada, three, or 67 verse three. May the people, yada, may they praise you. May all the people Praise you. That is a reference to a posture of praise, to a hands lifted praise. Psalm 145:10, it uses this word again. All your works, all of your works, Lord, they yada. They, they worship like this. It's a reverence. It's standing in reverence with extended hands. Psalm 44, 8. In God we make our boast. We will yada. We will praise your name forever. Um, yada is this active posture for those who adore God's people. And it's for all people responding to God in this posture. And I think it's interesting. There's two different of these words that are a posture. And I go, why is that? Why is praise synonymous with like a physical act? Like this is praise, right? Um, But it's true. Why is it that physical posture, lifting of hands is associated with praise? And here's what I would say. I don't think there's any more natural expression of excitement, wonder, awe than raising your hands. When, when, when the team scores a touchdown, I'm gonna get to that. Like, I don't know what it is that excites you or like gets you pumped up, but there's a lot of times when I learn about something that's pretty exciting to me that I'm like, yes. You know, like, I don't have to think about it. I'm be like, oh, I should probably lift my hands in this moment, right? It's just a natural response. 
And a lot of times what worship is, it's this, it's this response. And here's what it is. This word is less about communicating a posture of worship, and it's more about describing a posture of worship. It's describing what you were already doing. My wife makes fun of me all the time, and some of you who work with me at the office know this. When I get on a phone, I, I mean, JT knows, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, I'm not even paying attention to, like, what I'm doing. I'm just on a phone. I'm just walking around. I'm like looking at things. I'm just talking. I'm like in the conversation, but I can't sit still. I'll like look at myself in the mirror and just be like, but I don't even remember doing it. I don't know. Does anybody else do this? Is it just me? Like I will straight up, I mean, I'll do so many random things while I'm on the phone because I'm so involved in the phone call, but I'm also kind of like, I'm kind of spaz, you know? I mean, I can't help it. Uh, I, like, I don't like to sit still. And I do this, and I think so much of when we say worship is this response, is this idea that like, it's not about you going like, I think God would be most honored if I do this. It's that what's going on in me just causes these things to happen. I can't help but move. I can't help but lift my hands. And we'll get to another posture in a minute. But this word, yada, is describing a posture of worship. It's not commanding it. It's just saying this is what the people of God do. They lift their hands. They shoot them up to the one who's worthy. All right. Next word. Oh, sorry. Yes. So yada. Yada is the hands of praise. That's right. I'm going to end with a little phrase after each of the seven words. Let's keep moving. Okay. Halal. Halal is another word. It's where we get our word, the transliteration, hallelujah. That's right. Hallelujah. A very big word uses all the time. It means to boast in God. When I praise him, I'm making him my boast. I'm raving about him. And then it literally means to be clamorously foolish. Again, walking around with my cell phone, I'm in it, man. And I look so dumb to everyone who's like not on that call, right? And, and, and y'all look that dumb as well when y'all are doing your TikTok dances. But that's just another part of this. Like no one sees the TikTok dance. They just see you in front of the camera like, that's not what y'all do. That was like a cheer or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll do the TikTok dances after. This is a good time to quote C.S. Lewis. Here's what he says. Um, the most valuable things that the Psalms do for me is that they express the same delight in God that made David dance. That they express this response of delighting in God. And it's that same delight that made David dance. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said this, a dislike of enthusiasm can be one of the greatest hindrances to revival. That we're so caught up in our appearances, how we look to everyone else. We think that if we go at it from worship that we're distracting everyone. Can I tell you though? It's actually the other way around. Did you know that free people free people? Now, what we're not saying is that, hey, every time you come in here, you need to like make a big commotion. You need to make it all about you. you need to, that's not what we're saying here. But when you freely respond in worship, you free other people to respond in worship. Free people, free people. And so when we act foolishly, it's not for the sake of being foolish. It's simply a response. And it makes me think of David. Real quick, y'all remember this story, 2 Samuel 6. So David has this long period where he has been anointed king, but he's not king. And then Saul, he's still with Saul, and then Saul's trying to kill him. And all these years go by. And finally, 
David is anointed king over Judah. And then he's anointed king over Jerusalem. And right here, their first battle, when they go against the, the famous Philistines who were always their enemy and they're defeating them, we get this response from David because he is responding simply. He hadn't thought this through. This kind of praise, this halah, this is just response. David danced before the Lord with all of his might. 2 Samuel 6, 14 through 16. David was wearing a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel, they bring the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sounds of horns. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city David uh, of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window, saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him. I don't have time to get into all of that, but I'm going to go on just a little bit further. Verses 20 through 22, 2 Samuel 6, it says this. And David returns and blesses his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself before the eyes of his servants, his female servants, as one of, vulgar, of a vulgar, uh, of vulgar fellow, shamelessly he uncovers himself. In verse 21, David said to Michael, it was before the Lord. I was doing this to the Lord who chose me above your father and above all the house to appoint me prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself even more contemptible than this, and I can be abased in your eyes. He is saying, I'm not doing this for that, but you cannot stop what God's doing in me. He is dancing before the Lord. He is like losing it. It's like winning the game, right? And everyone takes their shirts off. You're like, please don't do that. You know, some of y'all don't do that. All right. This is just intramural volleyball. Like take it easy, right? Um, but we get excited and we lose it sometimes. And I'm sitting there in my living room when the Cowboys score every once in a while, not very often, but when they finally score, right? There was a few Mavs games this year that I got excited like this. Uh, I think I took my shirt off in my living room. That was weird. Um, but we do this, and it is this idea of halal. It's like I'm losing. I'm so excited. But it's to boast and rave in the Lord. It is the primary word that the Hebrews used for praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Psalm 6, uh, 69, 30, I will halal God's name in song. I will boast in it. I will rave about it. Psalm 22, 22, I will declare your name to the people. In the assembly, I will, oh, I will praise. Psalm 109, verse 30, with my mouth, I will greatly extol the Lord. In this throng of worshipers, I will, halal, hallelujah, him. All of these songs of halal in the Psalms were meant to be a corporate boasting. It was meant to be together. We were made to praise him like fun, loving children with abandonment. My, my kids do not care, man. They don't care what you think. They're not concerned about what other people think. Um, man, I put ice cream in front of them and they are pumped. It does not matter, right? And that's the kind of childlike worship that is halal. I remember being with my kids at this little kid dance party or something, and it got a little out of hand. We had a little karaoke DJ guy, and he was playing all the kid bop songs or something. I don't know. And the kids were getting into it, man. And then they're like, Dad, come. Come dance with me. And like, we're in this little side room of the YMCA. Everyone calm down. Like, I'm like, okay. Uh, so I get out there, but they're just going for it. And Grace has a move, and, and Abby has this move that's like a little scandalous, actually. We probably need to talk to her about it as a 10-year-old. She doesn't know. But she's just excited, man, and they're going for it, and it, and it pulls me in. And I think sometimes that's how our worship should be. 
that we're so recklessly abandoned for God that it helps pull other people in. It's not so that people will see us and be like, oh, look at them, the holy ones are raising their hands. But no, this is a people. This is a group of students in Wichita Falls, Texas that are so excited about the presence of God that they're just going for it. And it almost invites me in. All right, halal. It's the fools of praise. It's the fools of praise. Hallelujah. So when you sing, I'll raise a hallelujah, this is what you're saying. I will raise a boast. I will get excited about my God. Why? Because I'm responding to who he is. I'm responding to what he's done. All right, moving on. Zamar. Zamar is the third word. I love that this is in the Hebrew text. Zamar is to literally pluck with the strings. It's to make music. It's the music of worship. Zamar means that we can actually worship when we're not singing, contrary to what some people believe, that if only there has to be a specific lyric in the music for us to worship. Zamar would say that we can praise simply in music and in worship. To touch the strings of an instrument, to pluck. So Psalm 144, verse 9, I will sing a new song to you. So yeah, he's talking about singing. Then he says, on a harp of ten on a harp of ten strings, I will sing, I will pluck, I will play this music for you. It's a musical phrase. Psalm 7, 17. I will yada, we already learned that word, the Lord according to his righteousness. I'll praise him for that. And I will pluck string. I will make music in the name of the Lord most high. Psalm 57, 7. Now David is hiding from Saul in a cave in this moment. And he is saying, my heart is fixed I will sing and I will praise you. I will make music. I will make melody. Now, a lot of times for those of us in here who are not musicians, you can't play the piano. You can't play guitar. I certainly can't play the drums. I've always wanted to. It always, I'm like, I always get up there and like, I think I've got it. And then I try a fill and it's terrible. So some of us aren't musicians. And so the primary way that we do Zamar, that we make music is in melody with our mouth. Like we sing so that is the primary way. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But worship can be in the beauty of music. It's beautiful. So the God is our, a God that creates. Music is this, this thing that is powerful and um, it affects us. It's the way that God designed music. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music is the vehicle that carries our praise to God. He designed it this way. Music is this preparatory thing. Do you guys remember... Second Kings, um, they're in this battle, and Elisha's like, hey, I want you to send the musicians out front. It's in Second Kings, you gotta check this out. And it's a really crazy thing to think like, hey, we're about to like all go to war, send the musicians first. But I think it has to do with this, the idea that music is what brings about, and we've seen this sometimes, that, that music, our praise is our worship, that we worship God, he's enthroned in our praises. I'm gonna get to that word in a minute. And that God moves, but truly that music prepares our hearts for a really important message. That's why we usually have worship before a sermon. It kind of preps us, it's warming us up, it's preparing us for what God wants to speak. But also, it's why I'm a big proponent of us always having something, some opportunity to respond after. So tonight we're going to do that. We're going to respond after this in worship so I don't want to just talk about it the whole night. Like, here's how you, here's all the different words and all right, we'll see y'all later. No, like we're going to we're going to do this together in just a little bit. But let me move on. Uh, Zamar, the music of our praise, okay? Number four, 
it's really pronounced Tuda, but I always, I always would say Toda, but it doesn't matter, whatever. I don't know Hebrew. It's Tuda. What this word means, it's a word for praise. It means a communal sacrifice of praise. And I want to point this out tonight. There's some of you that come in here and it is truly a sacrifice of praise for you to sing. If you were to be really honest, that you don't feel like singing, the last thing you want to do on a Tuesday night is lift your hands to God because you've had a really tough week or there's some things that you're going through right now that you are struggling with. And so to sit here and to worship God when you are internally struggling is an actual sacrifice of praise. This is where this word comes in. And I'll unpack that in just a second. Uh, Psalm 56, 11 through 12. He says, in God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? You hear it in David's voice that he's got these enemies coming for him, but he is focusing in on the Lord. My vows that I've made to you are binding upon me, O Lord, and I will render praise. I will render tudah to you. This word is sacrificial praise. And here's what it means by sacrificial. It means to trust in God's future blessing. I'm gonna praise you now. Because I know who you are. I know what you're gonna do. We get the victory. We win. I will praise you. Psalm 50, 22 through 23. Consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you to pieces. Wow, intense. Whoever offers to Dah glorifies me. For all of you who expectantly worship me, because you know me, you know my character, and even when you don't feel like it, you offer up praise, knowing who I am, knowing what I will do. So it is this idea of expectant praise. That's what this is. Tudah is the, ex the expectation in praise. Because he will one day, in violence, I worship him now. Because he will... Free me and heal me and release me from bondage. I will worship him now because he will one day defeat the enemy, defeat the temptation that I'm facing because one day he will provide for me what I need when I need it because he will provide a way out, because he will heal me. I will praise him now. Ta-da. Praise, a sacrifice of praise. My mom's calling me right now. This is really awkward. Apparently my phone, my iPad, it's all connected. Uh, that's wonderful. Let's go to word five. We're gonna, I'm going to talk to my mom about worship after this. Um, number five, Barak. We come to the second posture. Barak means to literally bow, to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration. It's a salute. Almost like a military, we have a posture in the military of showing honor and respect in the same way with God when we come before him that we would barak, that we would bow, that we would recognize our position before our king. Psalm 100 verse 4, you've heard this psalm, but it's using this word. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts. The first word is tilia. That's, I'm going to get to that one next. But give thanks to him and bow, worship, praise, Barak, his name. Barak embodies humility. It's used 289 times. And as a side note, one other word, you can write this one down. The Hebrew word for worship, because we've been talking about the Hebrew word for praise this whole time, and there's seven. The Hebrew word for worship is shikha, and it literally means to bow. 
The literal translation of the word worship in the Hebrew is a posture. And to me, guys, not to get on a soapbox, um, it's crazy how little we do this in worship. And I remember talking at this conference one time about the idea of worship being an outward posture. And this guy comes up to me mad, and he's like, worship is an attitude of the heart, so I don't have to bow. And as much respect as I could respond, I just said, exactly. Exactly. You don't bow because of your attitude of heart. Now, that sounds super judgmental. I'm not like judging him. I'm just saying for a lot of us, that's true. It is an outward posture. And for me, I'm not saying that if you didn't bow tonight, that means you're like prideful before. That's not, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But this guy's coming at me going like, I don't have to bow because worship's all about my heart. And I'm like, yeah, actually the word for worship means to bow. And I don't know about you, but anyone that comes before a king is not standing. And there's something about posture, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this up, that it shifts my heart. No one is proud of themselves like this. I'm not going, man, look how awesome I am right now. This physical posture shifts my heart to submit to my God. It actually helps me to worship. And so here in a little bit, I want you to get uncomfortable. I want you to barak when you worship here in a little bit. At some point, maybe the song isn't even about bowing or kneeling or anything, but I challenge you to hit your knees and worship. Jonathan Edwards says that we'll know there's revival in the church when the song leader is frustrated that he can't hear anyone sing because all of their faces are on the ground. I think there's something to this. And for me, it's more of I need to get into this posture to help my heart because I'm not just coming in instantly ready to go and worship. So sometimes bowing or kneeling is something that I need to do physically to help me internally get back to where I'm at, where I need to be. Psalm 72, 11 through 15, all the kings will fall down before you. All nations shall serve you. It says, he shall live and to him shall be given the gold of Sheba. Prayer also will be made to him continually and daily he shall be praised. It's using the word barah, that we will bow to the king of kings. And you, you guys remember how Revelation ends, that these elders, they bow before him, they fall down, they lay their crowns before him. This is the attitude of this kind of praise. One of my favorite Psalms, and I almost taught on this, is Psalm 103. And I don't have a lot of time, so I'm gonna like rush through these last ones. But I really wanted to like camp here. Um, Psalm 103 says this, I will pr uh, praise the Lord, O my soul. So he's like, talking to himself, like, soul, praise God. Like, I need to tell myself this. Praise the Lord, O my soul. The word for this, all these praises right here are Barak. Like, bow to the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, bow to his name. Bow to the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits. It's a response. What does he do for me? Why do I bow? Why do I praise? Because he forgives my sin, because he heals my diseases, because he redeemed my life from the pit, because he crowns me with love and compassion. I don't need any other crowns. He crowns me. He satisfies me. It goes on and on. I love this psalm that we would remember. Those who remember well worship well, that we remember who he is and what he has done 
Barak. May it let us fall to our knees before God. That everything would praise the Lord. All right. Uh, Tehillah is a hymn. It was in an earlier psalm that I said. It is a hymn, a song of praise. What I do like about this word, um, if y'all have heard this psalm, Psalm 22, 3, but you, O Lord, are enthroned on the praises of Israel. You've heard this, and we'll say it. Like, worship leaders love this one. Like, we're like, hey, as we worship, God is enthroned here on our praises. True. That's what it says. The word is, is this hymn and this song, but it actually denotes a new and spontaneous song. Sing a new song unto the Lord. Sing a spontaneous song unto the Lord. Now, why would spontaneity in worship, like why would that be connected to this? Uh, And and real quick on this amazing Hebrew word, um, by the way, the book of Psalms is named this in the Hebrew. This is the section of Tehillia, the book of the Psalms is called the Tehillium. It's used 57 times in scripture. It occurs all through the Psalms. And these are songs that may not rhyme. They may not even have like the catchiest tune. They may not be polished, but they come straight from the heart. They're like just authentic and raw. And a lot of you, you know this, right? Like you're listening to some, wor- some of your favorite worship albums and there's that song that's like called something random and it just says spontaneous worship. You know what I'm talking about? And it, and it really is... Hopefully, like, I don't judge the hearts of these people. What's going on there is they're in a gathering. They're trying to record this this album, and God's moving, and they just start singing something. And that really is what Tehillia is, that I'm just singing out of the overflow of my heart. God, you were so good to me. I don't care. I don't need this to rhyme. I'm just responding in song. I've been a song writer for a long time, but I'll never forget. We would, like, try really hard to craft these songs. And this one time, I'm just sitting in my room, And God just did some amazing things in my life. And all I sang was, you're my victory. And I just started singing this line, like, you're my victory, you're my victory. And it just turned into this song. It just says, you're my victory, you're my victory. You won the war for my soul, and I'm yours forever. I didn't, like, work on that. I didn't, like, try to craft that. That was just, like, what came out. It was Tehillah. And some of you, you'd be like, I'm not a great singer. I don't know about this one. I don't know if I can do this one. But I want to tell you, in those moments where God is moving in you and you want to praise, whether that's in song or what you say to God matters, it's worship. I want to challenge you to go for it. When we are singing in this room and God's moving and a worship leader starts going spontaneous, you know, spontaneous worship, I just want you to know before you judge him that it's actually biblical. It, it, it happened. It happened in Israel that they would just sing these new songs. And usually they're not polished, and sometimes they're not that great. And we just move on. That was a great moment. All right, don't record that one. No, just kidding. But these are, Tehillia, these are these songs of praise. It's always connected to a song, uh, this word. And that's why the Psalms are a collection of songs. They are Tehillim. All right, final word. And then we're, we're going to worship for just a second. All right. Um, Shabak. Shabak means to address in a loud tone. I saved this for last because this is one of my favorites. This means to commend, to glory in, to triumph. It's when the team wins the world. When the Astros won the World Series, don't hate on me. All right. I was in Houston a long time. But when they actually won Shabak, I was like, yeah. I mean, like I was loud, man. And, and it was like midnight or something. I don't even remember, but we we're all like blowing up the street, yelling, so pumped about it. And y'all are hating on me because y'all are all Ranger fans. It's okay. 
Rangers are coming back. We're cheering them on. Not this year, though. Strohs are coming back. Strohs are going to be back. Sorry. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. This has happened in your life. Something great has happened, and you just yell. You're like, yes! Yeah. Like, that's, that's what we do. What I love about this word is that's what this is. It literally means to raise a holy roar. A roar. Like that this crowd of people overcoming praise is just shouting for God. And it reminds me, I was at a Coldplay concert in Dallas like a, three months ago, all right? Now, they ain't worshiping Jesus there. They're worshiping the songs and all that. But I'm telling y'all, I was worshiping Jesus. I really was. I was like singing to God and, 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 and all this. But there was this moment, and when I was writing this out, it like reminded me of this. When everything drops out and there's this, lines that Chris Martin, he would always do this, right? He has these like, oh, you know, does all that stuff. And the whole audience is just singing the O's, right? Have you been at these concerts? Have you, you guys done this? Does Taylor Swift do this? I don't know. But Coldplay does this. And they drop out. And I mean, the whole, there's 80,000 people singing. They know the line. It's not even words. It's just O's. But it is this holy roar. Maybe not a holy roar. It's a roar. But for us as a church, it can be a holy roar. And one thing I want to point out about this is Psalm 145.4, because I think this is an important use of this word. Because in Psalm 145, verse 4, here's what it says. One generation shall praise your works to another. They will declare your acts to another generation. In fact, Pastor Bob talked about this on Sunday, about us passing down to another generation. What's amazing about this verse is that the one generation shall shabak, shall lift a holy roar to the next generation. And here's the point. The purpose of Shabbat, of this holy roar, is not just to pump up, it's not to pump up the crowd. That wasn't the purpose here. It wasn't just to get like fired up. It was literally to pass it on to this generation that's looking to us. It was to pass this on. It was a roar of a group of people singing and worshiping God and affecting the entire environment around from one generation to the next. This is for the future church. So Shabbat is the shout of praise. Let's try it real quick for the Lord and not for Coldplay, but for Jesus. If you love Jesus, I just want you to yell as loud as you can, Jesus, on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus! I mean, that's pretty good. That's like, that's pretty good. I think we can go like one step higher though. You, you think so? Like Shabbat, like, like let's, let's raise a roar, all right? Here we go. On three. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus! Yes! That is worship. So whether we are shouting with Shabbat that we are worshiping our God through a loud song, I am boasting in him, let him be praised. Whether I am lifting my hands in Yadav, like I am lifting my hands in worship to him, may he be praised. Whether I feel uncomfortable in my worship because he's just kind of got a hold of me and I'm focused on him and not even my own body, like I'm just going. Let him be praised if I'm a fool. If the music that we sing, and when they get up here and start playing, may he be worshiped in Zamar, that the, that the strings are plucked for him, that we would sing and make music to our God. For those of us in here who are struggling, may we be reminded that praise is more than a feeling. In fact, as we choose to praise, maybe those feelings will change as we get lost in who he is. To Dah, the expectation of our praise the posture, maybe we just need to bow before him tonight and say, you are God and I am not. May that be the posture 
of our worship. But whatever it is tonight, may we worship. I'm going to ask the band to come up and lead us because we've got to respond. All I want to add really quickly is there's three things, three reasons why you, may, why you may not worship, why it's hard for you to worship. Number one, it may be hard for you to worship because you have forgotten God. Like you haven't thought about it. Your worship is aimed somewhere else. You have forgotten about who God is. And those who remember well worship well. So as we remember him, it fuels our worship because worship is a response. And maybe it's hard for you to worship because you are focused on everything but God. And what he's asking you to do is to re-aim your praise tonight. To get your eyes off your situation, off yourself, off someone else or some other thing. And to focus it on him, the only one who's worthy of our song. Or maybe there's some of you in here tonight that you have a hard time worshiping because you truly don't know him. Like if you were to be honest, you don't know who he is. You know about him maybe, you've come to church, you know you're supposed to sing, but it's hard for you to worship God authentically because you don't have an active relationship with God. There's never been a time where you said, God, I want to invite you into my life. I want to follow you, I want to give my life to you. And I want to see you work a miracle in me by rescuing me out of sin, forgiving me, making me new. Maybe that's a step for you tonight. And if that's you tonight, I'm not going to make this big appeal to you. I'm just going to let you know I'm going to be back here, get my praise on a little bit. But if you're like honest, if, you, if you're honestly tonight struggling with that, like I don't know there's ever a time that I, that I gave my life over to Jesus that he became the object of my worship, that I decided I want to follow him and stop living for these false gods or for myself, and I want to give my life to him in worship. If that's you, be bold enough tonight to just come back and talk to me. I'll be right back here. Uh, Lewis will be right in the back. We would love to talk to you about that as we worship. But right now, as the band leads, can we sing to him? Can we worship him tonight? Y'all look tired. Y'all are college students. Y'all should, should just now be waking up, right? Are y'all ready to go? Let's worship. Let's end our summer bridge here at West Campus with a holy roar. Let's go.